0: Well, good evening. You guys got to do better than that now. Good evening. There we go. There we go. It's good to be here from Sterling. We got anybody from Sterling here? Come on. That is the place to be. It's one of my honors and great joys to serve in Sterling alongside one of my great friends, uh, Pastor Eddie, that's right here up front. We can give it up for my guy leading us well. I'm gonna give you a little insight here tonight. I um this is my first time preaching here in front of Bishop Brett (laughs) and the great prophet Pastor Jim. Two of my fathers in the Lord. And uh so I was over here tonight just just reciting Joshua 1-9 and I'm just (laughs) do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Um but it's a great honor to be here. Um, thank you, Bishop Brett. Thank you, Pastor Jim, for all that you do for all of us, especially as pastors and leading us so well and training us up so well. And so can we give our great leaders a good hand? So I face my fears a little bit. So um, we're going to get into the word. Uh, again, we are in this great series. This is week three. I get to come behind the great Pastor AJ and Pastor Corey last week preaching an amazing message about Jesus. And so today I get to pick a topic of my own and I picked I am. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to be reading from John eight fifty-eight through 59. It says this, it says, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am at this. They picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. This is a great conversation that's happening in John chapter eight, a great confrontation. So today I'm titling this message face to face. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you. That tonight, your presence is here. God, we ask that you would speak, not me. And that we would get a greater revelation of who you are, of who we are, and what you are doing for us tonight. God, help me. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Face-to-face. And we're not just talking about a face-to-face conversation that would be nice. We're talking about a face-to-face conversation. Confrontation here in this passage. Anybody like confrontation? Yeah. Somebody raise their hand. I don't know if they're telling the truth or not. But no one really likes confrontation, right? Because it can be difficult. It can be messy. It can be painful. It can be hurtful. For most of us, we would much rather just kind of hit the easy button, kind of step away from confronting the issue because it would be pain-free. It would be easy. It would give us a sense of peace in our life. And so avoiding the issue is something that we all typically do. I had a recent family meeting on my mama's side and uh, a great Zoom meeting where we as a family, I won't give all the details, but we as a family, we have been avoiding some issues, some drama in the family. So we decided that we were going to call a family meeting so that we can address the issue that's happening in the family. How many of you guys know that that was really fun? But I loved it. Well, I didn't, I'll say, let me say it like this. I loved it like I love running. I loved it like going to the dentist a little bit. But what, I, but what I really loved about it is that we as a family decided that there were some issues that we had in our family that we needed to address. There were some things that we had been avoiding. There were some things that we had kind of put on the shelf. And if we were going to succeed as a family, to be healthy as a family, we needed to confront the issue that had been going on. And how many of you know that when we started addressing the issue, we were confronted with some truths? And what happens when you get confronted with some truth is that you have to wrestle with that truth. And you really have two options when you're confronted with the truth, when you're kind of backed in a corner and you got to deal with it and you got to wrestle with it. You got two options. One is that you can embrace the truth. You can grab a hold of it. You can reckon with it. You can deal with it. Or two, you can avoid the truth. You can deny the truth. You can push the truth aside. You can live your own truth. All of those things that you can do But there's only one of those things that you can do that actually leads to freedom, and that is grabbing a hold of the truth. The other thing that you can do is that you can avoid it, and all that does is leads us to more bondage. And this is where we find the Jews in our passage here. They are having to wrestle with this confrontation with Jesus. They're beginning to believe in Jesus. There's this miracle worker, but they hadn't yet gotten this, this full revelation of who Jesus is as the Messiah. And when they get confronted here in this passage, there's Jesus. He's this, this prophet and this teacher. And he's now asserting that he is God. And they're forcing the moment on what are they going to do with this truth? They got two choices. They can surrender to Jesus or they can silence Jesus. And those are the choices that we have to reckon with and deal with today, family. Whether this is your first time or. Here, hearing something like this, or this is maybe your first time today having to deal with the revelation of who Jesus is in your life. You're going to have to choose today whether or not you are going to surrender to the revelation of who Jesus is, or you're going to have to silence the revelation of who Jesus is. And what I love about the gospel message here in John is that John is very, is very specific in his mission of what he wants to do in the gospel of John. He tells us here in John 20 and 31, that he has, he has this main goal for us as we're reading the gospel of John. He says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's how he starts. That's how he kind of ends the gospel, but he starts it this way. He's pretty plain and he's pretty clear. He wants you to have a revelation of who Jesus is. He says in the beginning." Was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that had been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. He goes on to say that that Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace. And truth. That's John 1 and 14. John is intent on us seeing who Jesus is clearly in his gospel. And Jesus is intent on disclosing who he is in the gospel of John. As we are reading up to John chapter 8, to our focal passage, Jesus has disclosed himself intentionally to the crowds. He's turned water into wine at a party, he's met the woman at the well. He's met this Samaritan woman and now this entire town, this Samaritan village has had revival. He's healed the invalid at the pool. He's fed the 5,000 proclaiming that he is the bread of life. And he's really stirred the pot when they bring and they bring this. Uh, this woman who's in caught and adultery and they're trying to trap Jesus and Jesus flips the table and he traps them in their own hypocrisy and he releases her from her condemnation and frees her and he's in the temple and all of these things are happening. Then he proclaims that he is the light of the world. And this is what Jesus is doing throughout the gospel of John, revealing who he is to the people, yeah. consistently proclaiming and demonstrating who he is. And after all of this disclosure, declaring who he is. We get to this this part in John chapter eight where they ask him this question in verse twenty five. They say. Who are you? They ask. Think about this. He's been proclaiming and declaring who he is and they 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 can't necessarily understand who he is. There's some type of veil that's over their eyes. And so they they just ask Jesus. Man, who who are you, Jesus? And it's partly kind of out of frustration and there's some confusion, but also there's this desire to really know who he is. They're saying, who are you, Jesus? And Jesus' response in this moment was just as amazing as their question. When they asked Jesus, who are you? Jesus says, I am what I've been telling you from the beginning. Hear that. I am what I've been telling you from the beginning. Haven't you been listening to me? Haven't you been watching me? Haven't you seen my miracles? Haven't you seen me feed? Haven't you seen me heal? This is who I am. I'm kind of that dude, man. Have have you missed me this whole time? Open your eyes to see who I am. Open your ears to hear. Open your hearts to be revealed to who I am. This This is me. I've been telling you this all along. And maybe that's some of us in this room tonight, It's probably some of all of us at some level, we're trying to determine who Jesus really is. Is he legitimate? Is he really Lord? Is he really good? Is he really God? Is he who he says he is? Jesus, who are you? Especially if you're in the middle of a mess and you're having a crisis of faith, possibly, or you're just Kind of seek the truth out. You're asking Jesus, who are you? And I want you to hear Jesus' response tonight. I am who I've been telling you I am from the beginning. Romans 1 puts it like this, that God has been disclosing himself to us. And it's pretty obvious if we're looking. But we've just become really good masters at suppressing the truth of who God is. In our world, in our world, we are so clouded and we're so busy and the world is so noisy to us that we can't actually hear him say who he is and we can't actually see him clearly for who he really is. But God has been who he is from the beginning. From the beginning, he's been telling us that he's God. I mean, just go outside and you can look at nature, look at the trees, look at the full moon tonight. He did that. I didn't do that. He did that. He's God. He's telling us this from the beginning. He's been declaring his faithfulness to us. Go again. Go outside and look. He is sustaining everything that you see. Our God is faithful. Come inside. Look at all of us. God has been faithful. You have probably have your own stories of God's faithfulness, but let me just give you one story here that for each one of us, if we were to go back 10 generations, you have just grandparents, over a thousand grandparents to make you. Ten generations, just going back. Right. Think about that. Think about the faithfulness of God to sustain your family line through generations to bring you here. Wow. Wow. Think about it. If, if we have maybe 200 or 300 people here tonight, we're talking about Three hundred thousand people that God has sustained just for this room alone. Talk about the faithfulness of God. He is who he's been telling us he is from the beginning. From the beginning, we've seen his protection. You're still here. You're still standing from the beginning. We've seen his provision. From the beginning, we've experienced his mercy, we've experienced his grace, we've experienced his love, we've experienced his forgiveness. From the beginning, he's been telling us who he is. From moment to moment, from situation to situation, from circumstance to circumstance, he has been with us. He is, from the beginning, telling us who he is. And tonight, we have to confront that. We have to come face to face with the reality of who this God is who he's been telling us that he is from the beginning. Man, I pray that our eyes would be open, that our ears would be open, and our hearts would be open to the reality of who God is tonight, that we will be reminded of who he's been telling us that he is from the beginning. Come face to face with who he is. But you know what's interesting that at this moment in this passage, because it, it seems that The veil did kind of come off their eyes just a little bit. We get to the verse 30, and it says this that even as he spoke, many believed in him. I love this part because we get to verse 31, and then Jesus says to the Jews who had believed in him, He says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So you would think that Jesus would be happy with just them believing in who he is. But Jesus isn't happy with that. You almost get the idea that Jesus knows the condition of their souls that they had believed in the miracle worker but they had not yet believed in the messiah and that their identity was still wrapped up in old traditions and old systems and old ways of life and old thinking old mindsets and he wanted to confront that Jesus didn't want believers he wanted disciples I mean James tells us that even the demons believe and shudder and so Jesus wanted to confront that because he wanted them to be free He wanted them to experience the abiding, eternal life that he desired for them. But when he confronts them in that moment, it becomes a confrontation. And they don't respond well when they come face to face with who they really are. Because Jesus is saying, you are a sinner in need of a savior. You are enslaved and you are in need of a bondage breaker. You are sick and you need a doctor, my friend. And those, in the words of Pastor Jim, them fighting words, baby, Okay, good. And they get upset. But Jesus is confronting them for a reason because he wants them to be free. He wants them to have eternal life. He wants them to know the father. He wants them to know him, the son personally. So he's okay with upsetting them in the moment. Hear this. He's okay with upsetting you in the moment so that he can set you up. Right with him. Yeah. <laughs> and some of us may be here right now. You're feeling some frustration. Maybe you're in a tough situation financially, emotionally, maybe physically, financially. I can keep going. We can just keep going. But maybe you're like Jacob and you're just wrestling with God. And you're in this moment and you may think that the pressure you're feeling just needs to go away. Get behind me, Satan. Satan. But for some of us, the pressure that we are feeling may actually be God ordained. That God is confronting us with a hard, honest look at ourselves, a deep look at our habits, a deep look at our heart, a deep look at our motivations, a deep look at who we really are. Man, he is saying, come face to face in the mirror with who you are, because I want to deal with it. And I know it's it's painful and I know that it's ugly. But Jesus is allowing it. Why? He's not doing it to hurt you. He wants to help you. Jesus is not trying to fight you. He wants to free you in this place. And I know that the temptation is for us just to push it away, to put it back on the shelf. I don't want to deal with this. Jesus, get this out of here. Don't run from this today. This is a divine encounter of the pressing of God on your life. And he's not trying to upset you, fam. He is trying to set you up right. Set you up right in relationship with him, in relationship with others, in right relationship with others, in in right thinking, in right emotions, trying to get your maturity right. He's trying to get your identity right. I mean, if you can allow this moment where you can confront Or come face to face with Jesus. It allows you to come face to face with yourself. And when you come face to face with that, man, Jesus can do something. And he can free you. And he can change you. And he can transform you into who he has created you to be. Well, what gets tough about this passage is, is how these Jewish believers respond to being confronted by Jesus. Like most people, when they get called out on their junk... Not not like you guys. You guys wouldn't respond like this. They, they respond poorly. I know that you would never respond in this way, but they, they push back hard on Jesus. They begin to call Jesus names. They call him a liar. They say he's demon possessed. They call him a Samaritan. This kind of feels like a curse word. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it, sounds like, it sounds like it, but it gets pretty nasty. But I was reading this. I got really engrossed and enveloped in this in this moment. I'm getting popcorn. I'm kind of watching this thing unveil. And it's amazing. And what's awesome is that Jesus doesn't back down either. This is savage Jesus in this moment. (laughs) Because as they are coming at Jesus, Jesus comes back at them. They're saying, Jesus, I'm a a child of Abraham. And Jesus is like, no, no, you're not. Said so Jesus, we're we're a child of the Father. Jesus, is like, ah no, no, you're not. You don't do what the Father says for you to do. And if you did, then you would be a child of the Father if you were listening to me, but you're not. But then he says, you know, you guys are lying to yourselves, and you're lying to others, and you're lying to me. You know who lies a lot? Uh, Satan. And since you're lying like him and you're doing what he does, you must be a child of the devil. Ouch. I'm I'm watching this and I'm like, man, Jesus, chill, bro. This is crazy. (laughs) But they're having a face-to-face confrontation here. But even through these kind of verbal assaults that they're tossing towards Jesus, Jesus is still trying to reveal himself to them. He's still trying to tell them who he is, but they're stuck. They're unable to see him for who he claims to be. So they respond with more frustration and with more anger. And they ask this question here, John 8, 53. Are you greater than our father, Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are, Jesus? Are you greater than Abraham? Abraham? Are you greater than the prophets? Are you greater than the law? Are you greater than the way that we've been raised to live and think and be? Man, who do you think you are, Jesus? Are you greater than all that I know to be? And ultimately what they're asking and what they're saying is, no way. Jesus, you're capping, man. Who do you think you are? You're not great. And listen to their their next statement in, in verse 57 as Jesus is trying to, again, reveal who he is by talking about Abraham. And they say, you are not yet 50 years old, they said to him. And have you seen Abraham? You see, you see how they started their retort there? You are not yet. Jesus, you are only this. They couldn't see him properly, so they began to put Jesus in a box. And they begin to place limitations on who Jesus is, on his person, on his character, and on his ability. Jesus, you are only this. Jesus, you you can't even be that. And Jesus' only response in the moment was to fully unveil himself. Because as they're saying, Jesus, you're not. Jesus is saying, I am. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. They would have known right away the assertion that Jesus was making. They were, they were at this, this, this temple, and they were really at the Feast of Tabernacles, and they were actually celebrating and commemorating the I Am from Exodus. It was a historic moment for the Israelites. We can go, but you guys know the story. Moses is somewhat insecure. He's somewhat unsure, but he's been commissioned by God to go, go back to Egypt and to free God's people. that has been in slavery for 400 years. And he meets God at this burning bush, and he says to God this. He says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, this is in Exodus 3, 13 and 14. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? And what should I tell them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. <laughs> this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The people were going to ask him, What is his name? Not who, but what? They knew Yahweh, the God of their fathers, but they didn't know what Yahweh was going to do. For 400 years, they've been in slavery. What is Yahweh going to do for us? What is his character now? What is his ability now? Send me back your resume, God. And God revealed to them in this moment, not a who he is, but a what he is. He's telling them that I am, that I am is coming to you. I am, I is, I was, I am, i always be is coming to you. I who created everything, I who am sustaining everything, I who will sustain everything. I am everything. I am in the middle of everything. I am omniscient. I am omnipresent. I am omnipotent. I am in the middle of your circumstance, and I am able to change your circumstance, and I will. And he did. He saved them through the Passover. He delivered them through the Red Sea. He provided manna from heaven. He spit the rock and water came out. He led them through the wilderness with his spirit, and he ushered them into the promised land. He is the I am and this is his who Jesus is now proclaiming to be in this moment to the Jews in the temple. The God that they are supposedly celebrating and commemorating. Jesus is saying you're celebrating me. That's me. I am he. And what a declaration in the moment. What a proclamation that he's making. And listen. Listen. This is God now confronting us with the same truth tonight. Not who he is, or not just who he is, but what he is. He is the I am. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth, the author and the finisher of our faith. The same I am of the Passover in Egypt that set the Israelites free. It's the same I am that got up on the cross on Calvary and bled and died for us and set all of us captives free. The same I am that delivered the Israelites through the Red Sea and allowed their captors to be swallowed up by the water, completely setting them free and delivering them from their bondage holders. He's the same I am that got up from the grave The resurrected king, who's now seated at the right hand of the Father, whose name is now above all names, who rules above every ruler, every power, every authority, every dominion, every name is subject to this man's name, Jesus. He is that I am. Jesus is the great I am. He's our Savior, He's our Redeemer. He's our deliverer. He's our healer. He's our restorer. He's our reconciler. He's our provider. He's our everything. -er. He is the I am. And I don't know what you're facing tonight, but maybe you're like these Israelites in this moment, these Jewish believers in this moment, and they've placed some limitations on Jesus. They've put Jesus in a box, and maybe you're struggling in the moment. And you put some limitations on Jesus and you're saying, Jesus, I don't think that you're greater than my problem. I don't think you're greater than my situation. I don't think that you can help me here. I don't know if you can do this. And I want you to hear Jesus here in his declaration. He is. I am. He is greater than it all. He is. And he will always be whatever you need, whenever you need him to be it, however you need him to be it. He is the I am. I will be what I will be. He's everything you will ever need, family. I want you to come face to face tonight with the greater I am. You know, what's really really sad about this passage as I come to a close Is that these people who had once believed somewhat in Jesus? They came face to face with the I am. And instead of surrendering to Jesus, they chose to try and stone him. The heart of stone became a a hand of stone. And Jesus says, Jesus slips out of the temple. And by all accounts, as we read through the Gospels, this was the last time that he ever entered into the temple. Think about that for a moment. What is your response tonight as you are confronted face to face with who he is, with who you are, and with what he is? Will you surrender to Jesus? Or will you silence him? Will you remain in him? Or will you remove him from your life? Will you devote your life to him? Or will you begin to dismantle his hold on your life as he's trying to work in your life? To you come face to face tonight with who Jesus is, whether you've Not known them at all, or you've known them all your life, we all have to to some degree come face to face every day in our everyday decisions, in our everyday walk, in our everyday life, with whether or not we're going to believe this Jesus and who he says he really is. Are we going to surrender or are we going to silence? What I love about this passage and the promise of John chapter 8 is that if you surrender, if you remain in him, and if you devote your life to him, he says, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. That you are a good, good father to us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And we thank you that you sent him. And I thank you tonight for the revelation of who he is that you sent. That he is the great I am. That he saves, that he redeems, that he delivers that he transforms, that he changes us, that he sets us free. I thank you for Jesus tonight.